Yo. Welcome to the Autumn Miles Show. Autumn is a best-selling author, popular speaker, and wife who is obsessed with her husband and four crazy kids. She is also the CEO of the Autumn Miles Ministry, as well as a lipstick and lash enthusiast. Autumn's vision is to speak to the culture with bold truth and challenge you to act in raw faith. Here's Autumn Miles. Hey guys, it's Autumn Miles here. How are you guys doing out there today? We love you so much here at the show. Um, every single one of us just loves you. And I um, I hope you're having a good spring. Today I have on my springy shirt with springy shoes. And even though it was a little chilly this morning, I told Cassie this morning, I said, we're ushering in spring whether it likes it or not. Okay. <laughs> so I hope you are enjoying it. Uh, we, I love this time of year. Life, life is coming back to the earth. And um, I love that God offers us, us the breath of life and his breath brings life. And um, I don't know if you feel like you are in a dead season in your mind, your soul seems a little sleepy or tired or even dead uh, today. I'm telling you what, there is nothing more powerful than the breath of life. Um, I want to thank you guys for listening along. I'm stopped by you a lot, even though it's a radio show, Dan, they don't know what I look like. Unless they stalk on social media. Yeah. Um, but I'm super not a subtle person. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people are like, I heard your voice and then I found you. Or I saw your kids because my kids are not subtle uh, when you have a, a multiracial family like we do. Um, it's just, it's it's so amazing to meet you. I was at Starbucks the other day and someone came up to me and she was like, oh my goodness. Um, I heard you and then I saw you. Isn't that funny? That must say something about how loud I am, Dan. Uh, but you know, we're going to go with it. We're going to go with it. God gave me this mouth on purpose. Um, I love meeting you guys. Thank you guys for being so incredibly supportive. I have a couple things, just little uh, announcements. First of all, I, I released a book to any new listener in August. I released a book called I Am Rahab. Now, this book changed my life. I studied Rahab for three years. Actually, got on the Amazon reviews the other day and was reading it, and someone said it doesn't it doesn't hardly mention Rahab, and I was like, "How oh, we take that comment down?" <laughs> Because it does. It mentions Rahab throughout the whole book. Hello, I named it I Am Rahab. God bless that person. We love you. Um, but anyway, I, I, I want to just say her life, I was blown away by how much her life kind of resembled mine. I mean, um, and I just, I went through her life. God led me. This is totally God led me to write this book. Otherwise, I don't know if I would have dug as much into Rahab as I did. But everything about her life really challenged me where she was positioned. We know she lived in the ghetto in Jericho. The ghetto. Who wants to live in the ghetto? Well, um, God placed her there placed her there to be someone that dried the flax for, um, to hide the spies because God knew that two spies would need shelter. I just, I feel like her life is, it can represent us all. And I would encourage you if you want to, if not, no worries, um, to go get the book. I am Rahab. You can get it anywhere books are sold. Um, I just, I really, really, uh, love her as an individual and what she allowed God to do in her life. She had to fully surrender. She had to fully surrender her life fully everything she held dear 
everything she knew, all of her friends, her 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 very um her very breath, she surrendered to God Almighty is pretty fascinating. So go pick up that book. It's a great book to do with other people, small groups, Bible study. We dig in. I I know um, I just heard of a group that was doing it as a Bible study and they were like, there's so much scripture in here. And I was like, praise the Lord, because I want you to learn from scripture, not just my ideas or whatever. Um, another little announcement. I have another book coming out July 16th. It is called Gangster Prayer. It ain't gangsta, people. It is gangster. I keep getting asked, why did you name it gangster prayer? Like stir? Because apparently gangsta is what the young kids are saying. Like I'm so gangsta. I don't say that. I don't even know what that means. Okay. Um, it is gangster prayer. And if you pick up a copy of the book when it's available, because it's not available yet, you'll find out why. But I have such a passion for prayer, you guys. I'm sitting here in the studio talking to you and I'm not doing a radio show. I'm um, living an answered prayer. Okay. Everything in my life goes back to one seed that was planted in prayer, in faith, knowing I couldn't achieve it without the power of God. So um, prayer is a very, very big deal. And um, I want you guys to get results out of your prayer life. I hear all the time, I pray and pray and pray, and it's not like God's not even there. Um, And I hate it when I hear that. Um, Not that this book will promise results because I am certainly not God, (laughs) not even close. So man, Um, however, God totally revolutionized my prayer life by showing me his word and, um, and me receiving the words. And it's a lot about receiving and acting. So um, anyway, uh, that's coming up. I'm super proud of that and excited about that. Okay, sorry for five minutes of, um, of announcements. So today we're going to talk about leaving your options open when it comes to faith. Don't do it. Do not do it. Do not leave your options open. What are you doing? Don't leave your options open, okay? This is something that um, I get asked a lot, and I talk about faith a lot, unashamedly. I will talk about faith until God, until my faith becomes sight and I'm looking at Jesus. Um, people ask me all the time, or they'll, they'll phrase things like this. God has asked me to do this, but if it doesn't work out, I'm going to do X, Y, Z. Now, I know God wants me to be in full-time ministry, but if it doesn't work out, I'm going to get my interior design degree. That just came off the top of my head. Maybe because kind of I want to be an interior designer, but God didn't ask me to do that. Um, If this whole, you know, pastor thing doesn't work out, I'm going to go be a financial planner. I I mean, I don't know. I'm just pulling things out of my brain today. I don't know. but here is what I have found. Um, God asks us to do something. And in the back of our heads, this is how Satan gets us. In the back of our heads, he has said, um, hey, hey, I know God's out. And go ahead and do it. You know, because, you know, pa- uh, partly what Satan tells us, half of it is true. You only have to have a little bit of a lie to make it total lie. Um, yeah, go ahead and do that. But, um, you know, if it, if it doesn't look like it's working out, you can always go back to whatever. Um This safety net thing is killing, is killing what God wants to do through you. Get rid of the safety net. Totally get rid of it. Because what you don't understand is when God asks you to do something, no matter what it is, you will immediately be... 
confronted with the wiles of evil, it will be hard. And guess what? It will seem like it's not working out. So if Satan can come against you and he can whisper in your head, hey, if you have this safety net, go back to the safety net um, when it gets hard. And then you actually do step out in faith and then you are attacked by the enemy and it is the hardest thing that you have ever done in your life. What is Satan going to tempt you to do? Remember that safety net that you set up? Remember that um, connection that you kept open in order uh, for you to go back to it if you need to? He will tempt you to go back to the thing um, that is... Is keeping you from where God wants to take you. Um, here's my text today. Let's get to it. So you don't think I'm a heretic. First uh, Kings 19 uh, says this. I'm just going to actually, I'm going to pick it up in a couple verses before, because we're talking about Elijah. Sometimes I get these confused and I say Elisha when I mean Elijah, because their names are just so similar. Um, we're talking about Elijah and Elisha at the same time. First, first Kings 19, 17 says this, it shall come about the one who escapes the sword of Hazael, Jehu shall put, shall put to death. And the one who escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha shall put to death. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel. All the knees have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. So this is God talking to Elijah. So The prophet Elijah departed from there and found Elisha. Now note in verse 17, God has already told Elijah, it shall come about the one who escapes from the sword of Hazael, Jehu shall put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu, Elisha shall put to death. So God has already set apart Elisha to be Elijah's successor. Okay. Everyone clear on that. Cause no one ever talks about that verse yet. I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. Verse 19 says this. So the prophet Elijah departed from there and found Elisha. He went and searched for him. I'm going to go find this Elisha dude who's going to um, who, who's gonna, uh, uh, be my successor. I'm going to go find him. So Elisha departed from there and find, found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, while he was plowing the 12 pairs of oxen before them. And he was with the 12th. And Elisha passed over to him and threw his mantle on him. I love how Elisha did this. Like he's like, you know, I met I met some 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 people that I really respected. I'm trying to watch what I say here. Um, and they just kind of have this air. They just kind of have this presence where you like walk in. And I actually just interviewed someone yesterday and I was like, I'm kind of intimidated to interview you. Cause you kind of feel like Moses to me a little bit, you know, like here is this guy, you know, the man walks with the Lord. He is just co- sort of dripping with the spirit of God, you know, and it's nothing on him. It's all on me. But, but here I, I come and interview him and I'm, I'm kind of like tiny little Elisha looking there, look, staring at uh, a, a great prophet of our time. And this is, this is kind of how it went. So Elijah goes from hearing from the Lord that Elisha is going to be a successor. He walks by this field because he sought out Elisha. And this is what he, he doesn't talk to him. He takes his mantle and he just throws it on him. And he keeps walking. That's all he does. There is no, oh my goodness, you're so anointed. You're so wonderful. Guess what the Lord told me? The Lord told me that you were going to take my place. And this is everything that God has for me. Because God didn't tell Elijah that. 
He only said that Elisha, through the context of, of verse 17, was going to um, was going to carry on um, uh, uh, his call. Elijah didn't say anything. He just threw the mantle. And Elisha knew that when he threw the mantle, uh, he was going to be Elijah's successor. Now, I want to pause here. I'm going to get to my safety net in a moment. I want to pause here to talk to all of you that you are serving under someone that um, doesn't give you verbal affirmations every single day. Okay, I, I, I want to talk to those people right there. Number one, um, I, I want you just to kind of see what happened here. Was Elisha any less called because Elijah did not sit down, have coffee with him, pray with him, pray over him? Was he any less called? No, he was not. Okay, um, sometimes we look at the Elijahs in our life as if they're supposed to be God, and 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 we look to them for get all to get all the affirmations that we need from from God through them. But sometimes man doesn't do that. So if whoever you are working under right now does not blow rainbows and they're not like bringing you a bouquet of balloons every two seconds and telling you how wonderful you are, you know what? It doesn't mean you're any less called. It doesn't mean that. I think we need to push past the need to be affirmed in our society because especially when you're called in the ministry in any way, shape, or form, you, you're going to be at the top. There's not going to be anyone that's blowing rainbows. Okay. You're going to have to go to the Lord for your um, complete and utter affirmation, confirmation, strength. I think we are in this rut now that if they don't like me, then I'm a little, I need to, I need to, I need to, um, I need to reconsider. Am I actually called? If they don't tell me 50 times that I am, um, made for whatever position I need to reconsider it. Listen, your affirmation comes from God. It does not come from man. Okay. Elijah, the great prophet, not only did he throw his mantle on him, um, he passed over to him and threw his mantle on him. Verse 20 says this. And then he left the oxen. Elisha left the oxen and ran after Elijah. He didn't even stop. He just kept walking through the mantle and walked. Please, Elisha said. Let me kiss my father and mother, then I will come follow you. And Elijah said to him, go back again. And this is what he said. Not only did he not, um, you know, applaud him and tell him how anointed he was. He says this, go back again for what have I done to you? <laughs> like, please get away from me. Please, please stop talking to me. Don't. don't what are you doing? Um, so Elisha returned from following him. And took the pair of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the implements of the oxen and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and ministered to him. Okay, I want to break this down for a couple of reasons. We're going to get to the burning, the uh, uh, the implements here in a minute, which has to do with your safety net. Um, what Elijah does is look at him and says, what do I have to do with you? You will notice here that Elijah's response was not super nice, but it did not deter or discourage Elisha. He still went home 
and he dealt with the things that he needed to deal with, even though he had Elijah's mantle with him. Okay. He went home and he dealt. Now, listen, he was called because of the man. I want to try to get this right. He went home. He had all the oxen, which he sacrificed. But when he sacrificed them, he also burned the implements. Now, the implements, as I looked it up, meant everything that goes with to plowing with the oxen. Okay. I've never plowed oxen before. I don't really know with oxen before. I really don't know what that what that means. But all of the equipment or all of the gear that went with the oxen, Elisha got rid of. After Elijah said, go home, that is what he did when he went home. He burned it all. Why did he do that? Well, if you have 12 oxen in biblical times, first of all, um, you're probably a little bit uh, wealthy. You probably have some sort of money. And I don't know what Elisha was, was thinking because he wasn't, he doesn't tell us this in the text, but I want to just have a little dialogue about this. I bet that when Elijah, when Elisha started walking with Elijah, he realized that plowing a field with oxen was much easier than ministry. It was much easier than the asks of the Lord. And, and he had enough wisdom in this moment to know what the prophet Elijah does is really, really difficult. Um, and so I'm going to burn any sort of safety that I have, because when I start walking with him, I'm going to see some difficult things. And I think I am going to be tempted to go back. When he burnt that, he left himself absolutely no safety net whatsoever. He had the mantle. He knew he was called. It was his job to walk with Elijah and serve him until God took Elijah to heaven. I, I, uh, I feel like we all need to take, um, encouragement, uh, be challenged, uh, maybe be convicted by this story of Elisha and how he handled what he did with his call. He left no safety net, none whatsoever. I'm sure that when Elisha started off and he, um, he saw that, you know, the, the dead people that need to be resurrected from the dead and man, oh, I don't know. I've never done this before. Um, it probably was incredibly um, hard on him. And we know that from the stories that follow in first Kings and uh, it probably challenged every piece of his, his humanity, his spiritual life, his everything. And if he would have kept that safety net alive, welling with those oxen and that plow and um, you know, all of the implements that went with it, he probably would have been tempted to go back to do something like plowing a field, but he got rid of it all. Another point I want to bring up here is he did not get rid of the oxen or the plow until he had a specific call. I have talked to so many people that say, you know, um, uh, I don't know what I, oh, I don't know what I want to do. And God hasn't given me a direction. God hasn't done anything. So I'm going to go ahead um, anyway and just step out in faith without any sort of direction from the Lord. I just know that he's moving in this area. I need to talk to you people that are so, uh, so anxious and so passionate to do ministry and that you're willing to throw everything, your occupation, any way that you're making money today, you're just willing to throw that away. I want you to understand that 
Elisha here knew exactly what his direction was. It was after God gave him specific direction that he uh, uh, sacrificed the oxen and he burnt the plow. It was not before. Okay. Elijah had been by. And sometimes we can get a little bit ahead of God because our passion sometimes um, operates a little bit louder than um, than the voice of God sometimes. And I hate to say that because I know you're going to hate me for saying that. But sometimes we run ahead of God and we think, you know what, God will just take care of it. But God is a God of order. He absolutely will give you clear direction. And it's when he gives you clear direction that you burn the plow. You don't burn the plow before you have clear direction. Your job job is not to get super passionate and, and, you know, throw the way that you care for your family away. Your job is to hear, sit and listen. When Elisha heard, that's when he moved forward. That's when he got rid of any sort of temptation to go back to a former way of living. And when he got rid of it, there was no way back. I, um, I want to just give you a couple personal stories. Um, when when God told me specifically in 2003, Autumn, I want you to start a conference ministry, which for those of you that don't know, that's the way that we started off. We did 25 conferences in five years. <clears throat> and then we took a little bit of a break and to write books and to have radio shows and all that kind of stuff. When God told me in 2003, this is what I want you to do. I had clear direction. I no longer needed to worry about being, um, um, you know, getting my degree in, in a safety net. I knew what God was going to do with my life. Now, um, clear direction was given, but opportunity was not given yet. Okay, so I had to live in direction for a while. And this is what happened. I I, uh, took a ton of Bible classes. I got married. I helped my husband in ministry for years and years and years. I kept praying, God, I know I have direction. Now I'm waiting for your opportunity. Okay, Um, uh, I I know which way you want me to go in. Now show me how to walk in it. What do I do now during this season of my life? There's several years that that took place from 2007 to 2010. That's seven. Seven years. Seven years I waited. I got offered more jobs in seven years to do secular work than I ever have since. Autumn, you would make a really good this. Autumn, you should do, hey, you want to come join my team? You'd be a saleswoman. You'd be this, you'd be that, you'd be up. But I knew once God gave me direction, I needed to sacrifice my oxen and I needed to burn the implements because I didn't have a plan B. I only had plan A, which God gave me. And because he was faithful to his word for me in 2010, we started the ministry. And let me tell you, just to back up everything that I've said, when we started the ministry, it was not the easiest year of my life. It was one of the hardest years of my entire life. And I'm so thankful that I burned the implements and sacrificed the oxen because if, if, if I wouldn't, I would have been back straight plowing a field. Let me encourage you to burn those safety nets today in your mind, in your mind. I know some of us are planners and that's going to like make you have a nervous breakdown. But that is what faith is. We walk by faith and not by sight. And maybe right now God is trying to challenge you to walk exactly in the direction that he has asked of you. 
burn those implements because he knows you will be tempted to go back to them. Let me tell you something. I have been tempted to quit a lot. I have never quit. Uh, I've kept pressing on. We've definitely had hard days. We've definitely had amazing days in the ministry, but I am so thankful that God told me early on, you only have a plan A. I don't have plan B, C, and D for you. Walk at plan A. Listen to my voice. Obey what I tell you. And I'm going to guide you in the path that I want you. I hope this encourages um, you guys today. I, um, you know, Elisha, after Elijah was taken to heaven, received a double portion of his power. And I read these stories about the great prophet Elisha. When uh, a man fell on Elisha's dead bones, he had so much power of the Holy Spirit in his dead bones, it resurrected that man to life. May we be more like the great prophet Elisha that walked without affirmation, just a mantle, that was obedient without anyone telling him how great he was, that burned the safety nets so that he could walk directly where God wanted him. I love you guys so much. I know I talked to you like a mama today, did a lot of preaching and preacher voice. Um, But I love you guys so much. Thank you for listening. I hope this encouraged you. I will see you right back here tomorrow on The Autumn Mile Show. The Autumn Mile Show is listener supported and your donation to keep her on the air is much appreciated. To make a donation, visit autumnmiles.com. And if you make a donation of $100 or more, you'll receive an autographed copy of her book of the month. This program is underwritten by Mary Maids of Fort Worth. Your future starts now. Thanks for listening and join us next time for the Autumn Miles Show on the Word 100.7 FM.